Hello, friendo. You know that feeling you get when you're around a good friend? There's nothing like it. It can make a bad day good and a good day great. I wanted to create a podcast that made me feel just like that. Every person has a story. And here in Friendo, we're going to celebrate them. I'm going to introduce you to fascinating people that will make us laugh, make us think, and inspire us. More than anything, this is a place where we can be ourselves. This is Friendo. Our bodies are the least interesting thing about us. Have you heard that line yet? Makes me so happy. If you say it slowly and then sit quietly for a moment, it just lands beautifully. Today, my guest, Dara Bergeron of Mom Bod Love, chats with me about her mission to get people moving and feeling better in their mom bods. Dara has been in the fitness industry for years and has most recently started sharing her expertise as a body neutral fitness expert. In her day to day, Dara is also the creator of Belly Boot Camp and the Mama Reset, as well as being a mom of three living in a small town in Ontario, Canada. As a veteran trainer and movement educator, specializing in body-neutral movement and mindset for mothers, Dara teaches women how to weed diet culture from their movement ethic and parent themselves around exercise, with a focus on functional strength, mobility, and core and pelvic floor awareness. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Dara today. I know you're going to love it. Her energy is infectious. You can't help but get excited about this topic. Our friendo recommends this week is perfect for people living in cooler climates. I also share three things that make my life a little more enjoyable these days, as well as take some time to share a tip for parents who are looking for ways to talk to their children about food, bodies, and health. It is not an easy topic. I can't wait to share you what I've recently learned, and I hope you are changed just as much as me and, you know, maybe just a little bit more awareness brought to how we think about our bodies and how we can change some cycles, you know? I'm Amanda Muse, and this is Friendo. Welcome to the podcast, Dara. Thank you, Amanda. I'm very happy to be here. I was just trying to figure out how I had come across your page. And I was watching your stories just before we started recording today. And I was just like, there's just something about you. Like I I just said, I love your face. Like you're so sparkly and smiley and fun. And your messaging just comes across so gently, which is really... Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's different, right? In this fitness world. So let's just go right there. Like what is mom bod love? And how did you become this body neutral fitness? expert? (laughs) Well, I definitely was the fitness expert thing before I was the body neutral thing. (laughs) So I have been in the fitness industry since I was around 19 years old. Um, It was actually sort of a detour on my way to law school. It was a part-time job. I was someone who really found um, uh, that I loved going to the gym. I loved exercising. I started um, exercising as a teenager on my own. Um, and some of that was uh, pure enjoyment and experimenting with my body and, you know, encountering like structured exercise for the first time when I was that young. And some of that was fueled by a growing eating disorder and body image stuff. And at some point in my journey in motherhood, it was quite early. Um, I started to become really aware of the messaging that was served up to postpartum women because I was experiencing it. Um, and that's typically when we 
um, become aware of these kinds of things when it affects us. And so um, I knew after I had my first baby in 2007 that I wanted to work with moms. And when I looked around in my hometown of Toronto, which had definitely is a big enough city to have had offerings for moms. We had multiple businesses offering, you know, prenatal, postnatal classes mostly, but everything was still kind of had that dumbed down, like I'll call it pink and blued. And I think this is what we do a lot to women in this stage of life is we kind of like, we're like, oh, they're there. You know what I mean? And I felt that same way about what was being offered for fitness options. There wasn't the strength training. There wasn't the same stuff that all humans need only delivered in a format where you were okay as a pregnant or postpartum person bringing your baby to feel welcome, taken care of, your special needs were being considered, et cetera, but you're still getting a normal, great science-based workout. And so that's where I started working with moms. And those were the belly boot camp classes that I created in um, 2007 to nine is when those were, were created. Um, and then from there, I, I just became more immersed in motherhood culture. I had more babies. I had a bazillion mama clients. And it became really clear to me um, that I needed to choose what side of that line I was going to be on. Was I going to sell fat loss? And was I going to um, be another um, cog in the wheel of that kind of like patriarchal body shaming part of the fitness industry? Or was I going to say, no, if I have to choose a side, I'm going to have to choose this side. And so that's what I did. And in the beginning, it was a lot of feeling things out. My body had changed, especially after I had my third baby, as I started to become aware that I was still carrying parts of my eating disorder forward. I thought I had resolved, but I had just packaged them up in more acceptable diet culture and those kinds of things, trainer lifestyle. Um, and, and as I started to allow myself to gain back some normal healthy weight and stop dieting, including foods I had excluded, experiment with different kinds of exercise, change the things that I read, the people I listened to and learned from, I started to change the way that I coached as well. I feel like it goes without saying, but what is your goal with your Instagram right now? How do you hope, you know, that it makes people feel? Because I will say, like I said at the top, it's a very different page. I follow a few fitness people and uh, I got to say, I always smile after I see your posts. Well, that is, you just said my goal. <laughs> so <laughs> part of it is just that I am, I'm like annoyingly humorous and like smiley. I'm sure I'm very Pollyanna. I'm sure I drive people bananas, but I legitimately do smile and laugh all day long. Um, I feel very grateful that that's part of my personality because it does help me get through a lot of stuff. And I know we don't all have that kind of a personality. So apologies to anyone who follows me and mutes me because I'm annoyingly positive. I My positivity is not because I haven't experienced adversity like we all have or, or that every day feels amazing and perfect and easy. Um, and it, it really comes more from just the mindset I have about life, I think. And the, I, as I learn more about psychology and mindset, as we all do, because it's become so popularized, I realize I really do have, what do they call it? A growth mindset. <laughs> and I think that's such an important, your mindset really is how you approach any kind of packet of things. And for me, when I approach exercise, I have so much experience with exercise. I have been where every woman, you know, I could say, 
every woman who's had a similar life experience to me anyways, I've been wherever you are, wherever you are now, I have felt it, thought it, been there. And I've probably worked with several women, if not more, who also have felt experienced, spoken the same kind of sentiments. So I think part of the reason that people, that what I say and share resonates with people is it really comes from a true deep understanding. I'm not sitting around, you know, um, thinking about like, what, you know, what should I post on Instagram? I mean, of course we all do that, but what I'm sharing comes from an immense amount of experience. And it isn't super common to find a woman trainer who has this amount of experience because it's a really hard industry to stay in as a woman. I am um, someone who's very purpose-driven. I can't create something just for the heck of it. I need to have a purpose. And so that's what I put into all of my emails and my content is like, how can I create something that um, Amanda needs to hear today? Tell me, you know, for those listening who are like body neutrality, I haven't heard this because there's a whole like body confidence, body positivity, but the neutrality element is fairly new. So what, what is it and why is this important? So it's important to define body neutrality as different from body positivity. So I um, I don't use the terms body positivity because that's a real political movement um, anchored in the very real discrimination against like non-white, not thin, disabled, and other kinds of bodies that don't fit the mold of what you see when you do like a quick Google of women's fitness or something like that. So um, body neutrality... And I have to be honest that I don't know where that term was first coined. Um, that's something that's something for me to make a post about. So, but my understanding and the way that I use body neutrality whenever it started to work for me, which was several years ago, is that it is a part of my um, approach to life as a feminist as well. So that's another thing you'll find on my page is, yes, I'm really into science. I'm always, if I'm going to say to you like, you know, recently, like you don't know how to use your foam roller. Well, here's what the science actually says. And the point of that is not to bog you down with science. That's to say, Hey, listen, it's my job to understand the research. Now here's how this gets you off the hook. You know what I mean? Stop complicating it. This is, this can be simple. And I think with body neutrality and everything I do, um, what I want to do is help women feel more empowered to do what is right for them. And I, and I think that we're in a really interesting time as women where we're starting to push back with more force against some of these rules about how we have to live and be. And to me, when I think of body neutrality for myself, for my clients and my online friends and followers, and for my girls and and, all my kids, it is to me, the ethic is my body's appearance is not very important. It may be important to other people and I can't control that. There may be some people who come, I'm sure there are, who come on my page. And this used to be something that held me back and think, why would I listen to her? She doesn't have visible six pack. You know, she's got cellulite, whatever it is. She's got a tummy. Um, That may matter to them. But the truth is, I'm not responsible for other people's reactions to the way that my body looks. In my life, my body's appearance has very little bearing on anything that I do. And that's even as someone who makes a living being on video pretty much every single day. So as I become more and more aware that I have been fed this lie, that the most important and interesting thing about me is the way that I look, I start to take that and extrapolate from like, well, where have I been like messing with my life in that way 
in generally? How have I been teaching my kids that this is the most important thing? How does this affect the way that I dress myself? How does this affect the way that I look at how I create content for work? And so body neutrality is one facet of that. And I guess for someone who's not really versed in it yet, I might say it would be great to just hit the hashtag and you'll find all kinds of amazing, inspiring people. Um, but the but idea of body neutrality as it relates to like lifestyle or fitness to me means I make my exercise and lifestyle choices independent of the, ch- of the um, changes they might have on the way that my body appears, which means if I make a choice to exercise as I do several days a week, I don't do that with the expectation that it's going to change my appearance, even if I still have in the back of my head, as we all do, the thought that it would be better if my appearance changed, okay? I make a conscious decision every day to wake up and say, I'm not going to listen to that voice. It doesn't belong to me. It was put there by other people. I'm going to listen to the voice that says, the self-parenting voice, the, the, the disciplined, loving voice that says, Dara, you need to exercise your body a few times a week in order to maintain confidence and mobility. How are you going to do that this week? And that's it. That's it. And there's no, it. More, there's no more judgment or value past that. And that's a personal decision for me, how I put that into my life. And hopefully I find coaches or sources of inspiration, friends, community who shares those values. And then it becomes easier, right? When you, like you said, when you find a coach that you're like, oh, I I know I can come to this page and it makes me want to move, not, you know, afraid to move or whatever it is. Right. Or like you feel hungry watching them and you're like, (laughs) I just want to split a burger sometime. Like, you know, let's talk about how are you feeling deep down? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's very interesting. First of all, I had to hold back as you were talking because I was like, yeah, go, go. <laughs> like, I was so excited because it takes time. It takes time because of all the crap we have to like unpack and mm-hmm. dissemble, disassemble, whatever the word is, take mm-hmm. apart that we've been taught. And I feel like we should, like, I, I go to lots of good therapy and it's like, let's name that biatch that like yeah. tells yeah. us that we need to like, you know, even little things like, Okay. Like I want to take a picture of my body now and then maybe a picture in six months, but like, why am I doing that? You know, questioning those things. Cause even, you know, even Amanda who claims to do all this stuff for mental health, you know, I too sometimes am like, why am I so hard on myself this week? Because I didn't put in that time to work out. And I, and I sometimes have to be like, wait, Am I really that bothered by the fact that I'm wearing my bigger clothes right now? Does Mm -hmm. that like, why is that bothering? And like to sit with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you said. Like our bodies are the least interesting thing about us. Something that kind of clicked together there. You you said, um, I profess to be body neutral. I profess to be a feminist. I profess to be anti-diet, but I still get catch myself there right there there's some misogyny right there you're not allowing yourself to have a practice of body neutrality i don't actually believe there will ever be a day maybe i'd love to think i'll be in my 70s like kicking ass and i don't care what anybody thinks about anything but i don't know that there will ever be a day that my eating disorder will completely be gone i don't know that there will ever be a day that my body image struggle will completely be gone i don't wake up every day in front of the mirror naked going god i just love it. like no i don't know that's not body neutrality I, I body neutrality may look a little bit more like not looking in the mirror do you know what i mean not body checking not having a mirror in my room where I can see myself when I get dressed. And, and these are things as I, as I find, as I'm aware of myself and I practice body neutrality, I go, where am I 
where, and so you mentioned like doing progress photos, even though in your mind, you're like, it's not a progress photo. I just want to see, of course you can be curious about your own body, but you also have a deep knowing of when your body has changed. You feel difference in your body because you live in it every day. Some people are disconnected from their bodies, but most of us have a feeling in our bodies of when it's changed. Really, please be gentle with yourself and anyone listening that you don't need to, uh, let me put it this way. If you already, um, had perfectly neutral attitudes towards body appearance, you wouldn't need the practice of body neutrality. It would be moot. And so because you practice it, we know you need it. And because you need it, you practice it. I guess this next question is like, so there are going to be people listening who feel like, yeah, they've, they've always had really great, you know, interaction with fitness and their health throughout their life. And so sometimes it's more just tweaking it depending on where they're at and their age and their phase of life. But There might be some who are like, I have never done a thing Mm -hmm. and I don't even know where to begin. And I'm completely overwhelmed because the messaging doesn't seem to serve me. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they haven't found your wonderful page. Uh, Mm -hmm. P.S. Links are going to be below. But, you know, (laughs) where like where can a person start? You know, if, if they feel like they're trying to set some goals around fitness, what are some suggestions you might have? So most people who don't have a lot, I would say most people who have a really great relationship with exercise or like have, you know, when you're like someone's all you meet someone who's like, I don't see any problem with any of this. What's wrong with dieting? What's wrong? You know what I mean? Those people tend to live in more acceptable bodies. They tend to be middle-class, white, thin women with relatively stable incomes who haven't faced real... I'm not saying they haven't faced adversity, but they really haven't faced discrimination because of their bodies. And so, yeah, what is there to be worried about? You were sold dieting. Dieting worked for you. You, you know what I mean? You fit the mold. What is there to change? But for a whole lot of people who don't feel positively and who are now being given permission to say out loud, I do not feel positive about food and exercise. I haven't for a long time and I needed everyone else to say it out loud before I could identify it in myself. I think the first step is to realize food and exercise are two completely different buckets. Food is a pathway to energy, you know, cell regeneration, all of the processes that your body has to do in a day. Whether you exercise or not, the bulk of your calories, and I mean like 90% are going towards daily tasks that your body is doing. Whether that daily task is sitting at your laptop and working and mentally takes a lot of food energy, right? Or it's, you know, running up and down the stairs with on laundry day. So exercise is not a, a route to body change in that way. And we really need to first put those two things in their buckets, I think, so that we can start to examine our relationship with food, where we have anxiety, what kinds of rules we've inherited from our parents, our culture around food. And then and then in exercise, what kinds of rules have we inherited about what exercise needs to look like as a woman? But they are not related in the ways that we have been told that they're related, not in their purpose, not in their function. And if you're trying to heal, really, they shouldn't be related in the way that you're like managing them. Um, So I think it's important to understand that first. And then I think that a bit of exposure therapy is one of the best ways to get through some of this stuff. Uh, Real therapy, I should have said before that. So real therapy, go to real therapy. Online therapy is amazing. If you haven't tried it yet, online therapy is one of the most wonderful things to become normalized in the last couple of years. Um, but, um, but 
exposure therapy, when I say that, I'm half joking, but I'm not always, I'm not entirely joking because what I think happens when we, we really create these like phobias and these anxieties about what exercise and food have to look like. And if we don't do it right, we're going to get fat. Oh my God, we're going to get fat, you know, or we're going to stay fat or whatever the fear is. Right. Um, and so I think let's take the exercise piece because I'm not a dietitian. And if we can separate the exercise from the food, then for me, exposure therapy with exercise anxiety or someone who just like hates exercise because it's always been negative for them is number one, just stop exercising because you're probably not exercising regularly and hating it. There are some people in the throes of disordered eating who are like exercising like intensely and hating it. But for the average person, it's like, how do I negotiate this in my life as I become a middle-aged person and my kids get older? If you're not exercising regularly, you're already not only hating the exercise, but then hating yourself for not adhering to this supposed exercise plan that everyone in the world is supposed to do. An hour a day, five, six days a week, you know, cardio, this heart rate, that heart rate, this many calories. So take the expectation away, first of all. If you're not doing it, you're not doing it. So why are you waking up every Monday morning going, I'm going to do it this week? And then you don't. So it's more like Sunday night, you go to bed because Monday morning, you're not doing yes. it. It's Sunday night. You know, no. The next day is going to be so different. So I would say exposure therapy. What happens to your body if you just put the brakes on and say, I'm going to get movement, what we call like non-exercise movement, laundry, take the kids skating, walk the dog, you know, whatever, do your stuff. Um, that is most of the movement that we get in a day. We don't really get that much exercise in a week. We get a lot of movement in a week, hopefully, right? In terms of staying mobile and, and agile or whatever. Um, so you could focus on that first. Could I do my own housework? If I have a house cleaner that comes, could I do my own housework and get some exercise that way? Um, if my partner always walks the dog, can I just start walking the dog? Um, you know, if we've gotten to a real habit of it's movies all day because it's, you know, we've been at home maybe, you know, we start doing a weekly family hike. And this is not with any expectation about what this is going to serve you, other than it's going to give you some of that basic hygiene movement that every human body needs in order to stay as functional as it's capable of being in its current state. So I think taking the expectation of workouts away is an interesting experiment for someone who feels really negative about workouts, because most of the time, nothing changes. Most people are not doing a whole lot of exercise, as we know. And so that once a week you manage to squeeze in or once and then you're sore and then you, you, you're not confident and a few weeks goes by and then maybe you do two workouts and then another week goes by. That is not creating a cumulative effect that's going to train your body to become stronger, more, you know what I mean, more mobile or if that was your motivation to change its appearance. So that exposure is really powerful and that we go, oh, well, I just didn't exercise for a few weeks and nothing happened. So if I can do no exercise, well, could I just do like 10 minutes then instead of thinking I'm going to do 60 minutes, five days a week. So that's the next thing I really recommend is take a break, take, get rid of the fitness tech, stop scheduling workouts for yourself, especially if you're the person who has the expectation and then is not following through. And that's not a judgment thing. That is just that we are so hard on ourselves when we don't meet our own expectations, maybe even harder than we are when we don't meet someone else's expectations because we get to play that script out 24 hours a day in our heads, mm -hmm. right? I said I would and I didn't. I said I would and I didn't. I said I would and I didn't. I did it twice and I stopped. I did it twice and I stopped. I'll never do this. I can't do this. How does everyone do this? 
you know, I think that is such such a powerful message because I think a lot of us, you know, it's that thing like don't compare your day one to someone's day thousand and one, you know, like, but it's so hard to do because we're like fighting against hustle culture and we have to do so many things and wear so many hats. So tell me for people who have listened to this conversation and are like, we need more Dara. How can they work with you? How can they connect with you? Well, I love that you asked me about my Instagram because I think people who don't do Instagram creation don't know how much work we all do on that. So I was I would say go to my Instagram because that's where you can, that's your little portal to the different kinds of programming I offer. So I do have prenatal, postnatal programming for moms who are in that early stage of motherhood. Um, that's Belly Boot Camp. And then for anyone who's, you know, it can be early postpartum, but we target more at moms as they move back into the work world and, you know, get, get on with their lives. Um, that's Mama Reset. And those are all the online programs. We have a core and pelvic floor program. We have um, a 28-day reboot, which is great because it's 10 minutes a day, but not 10 minutes a day, creepy diet challenging. Just here's your 10 minutes today. You can do it. You know what I mean? It helps people build a habit. And then I have one-on-one coaching um, via an app for anyone who's looking for um, personal, like strength and mobility at home, ready to commit to a two to three days a week of working on some strength with some dumbbells and bands, et cetera. So if they go to mombodlove, it's mom.bod.love on Instagram because someone has the mombodlove and doesn't use it. Um, they'll find there, whatever's going on will be there. <laughs> so nice talking to you. This week's Friendo Recommends comes from a longtime viewer and friend of Amanda Muse and et cetera, et cetera, chasing the twins over on Instagram. And she suggested as a base layer for Canadians, but anyone really who's living in cold winter weather. I know there's a lot of you out there all over the world who experience seasons. And so sometimes you need to layer up. I'm a big fan of a base layer. I'll be honest with you, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting here in my own base layer, which is super cozy and comfortable. Basically, anytime you head outside when it's really cold out, I find I stay warmer when I wear layers because I feel like you can wear thinner layers and stay warm rather than a huge parka and huge snow pants, depending on the activity you're doing. So the brand she recommends is Icebreaker. And so I went and looked online and I found the cutest set. It is designed by an artist and it looks like dark gray and light gray, like cracked rocks. And then, of course, it's made with merino wool and it just looked beautiful. Beautiful, and it was on sale. Pretty decent price for a set because I find like the set that I've had now, this is my second year wearing it. It's not like you wear it all the time. And I just feel like it's one of those things you just continue to use over the years. So you're not replacing it as often. You buy yourself a good set. Anyhow, thank you for the recommendation. As she says, it's the only way to survive in the winter. Before I jump into three things I recommend this week, three things that have been making my life really enjoyable, I'm actually going to share with you something I heard on a podcast recently. So this week's particular episode definitely talks about bodies and movement and weight. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from Dara is like, your body is not the problem and therefore it doesn't need a solution. And I remember writing that down as I was talking to her. And I just found that so powerful because more often than not, we look at a person's body, whether it's our own or someone else's, and we make judgments, not always bad judgments, but we make judgments determining a person's health because of the way that they look and their weight. And that is a mistake. That is a big mistake. 
And one of the things I struggle with as a parent is how do I share information about bodies, weight, changes in bodies, food, movement, all of this in a way that is easily digestible, doesn't shame or create bad feelings around whatever topic I'm addressing, you know, is inclusive, is considering so many factors. It's really hard. You know, it's really hard. And especially with children at a very delicate age where their bodies are changing and puberty is happening. So I was listening to a podcast called Ask Lisa, which is a parenting podcast. It's very new to my repertoire, but it consists of Lisa, who is a psychologist and her friend who's a reporter, and they have these conversations back and forth. But what I love about it, if you're in the market, by the way, for a new podcast, what I really like about it is they'll take one question and the entire episode is dedicated to it. And it's about a 30 minute experience thus far those are the episodes I've listened to. She might have other styles, but those are the ones I find really interesting. And so what I wanted to just break down for you, because I thought, my goodness, if I had this in my toolbox as a parent, and I do have it now, it's only going to make these conversations easier. So here's what I got for tips on how to talk about food and weight with children. So the first thing she mentioned is don't take away the junk food and the sweets. Now, in my house, we don't have a problem with sweets. We're not really big into cakes and cookies and all of that. We have them. But like, I also have like four bags of Halloween candy that nobody's touching. I feel like, I don't know, we just kind of forget about it. So we regulate really well with the sugar in most cases. Where I'd say most of us struggle is we have a bit more of a savory palate. So we love chips and crackers and cheese and all that yummy stuff, right? And so for myself, I do this. I don't just say like, I'm never going to eat this again. I just try to do it in moderation. Like no joke, I could swing through and eat French fries from a drive through like on the daily. That's not going to be great for my body and my health though. And I don't always feel good when I eat like that. So I save it for special occasions, road trips, treats, whatever. So when it comes to kids, don't take away all the junk food because having it in the house allows you to talk about how can you self-regulate how you can enjoy a bowl of chips and it's not the end of the world. But then part two is getting your children familiar with cooking and healthy fats and protein and how to cook food that is actually going to nourish you and help you feel good. Because if you're hungry and you think, I'm going to stand in front of the cupboard and maybe grab a pack of ramen noodles, which are delicious, but you know, it's like high salt and depending how you make it, might not be the best food for you if it's high sodium. But if you say to your kid, well, just eat an apple. Because I don't know about you, but when I get hungry, I need more than an apple, you know? So talking to your kids about, well, actually, if you put a scoop of almond butter with your apple, then you get some more proteins, you get some healthy fats. That's a great, well-balanced meal. Maybe you're, sav- you're you know, Maybe you're craving something more savory. Maybe you feel like some cheese. Great. Yeah, let's take some cheese and maybe cut up some ham if you're into ham. I don't know. Um, and, And a couple crackers on the side and some sliced apple, right? How do we create snacks? How do we create that confidence in the kitchen to be able to pick things that still taste really good and help us feel better? And so that's kind of where I'm at with my kids being seven and 10. We're still at this like learning phase, right? I'm also really hyper aware of the guilt and shame we can place on certain types of foods because maybe you've been in the situation, but the 
the psychologist, Dr. Lisa, gave a great example where she said, you know, there was um, a person she had in her clinic who, you know, the parents took all of the junk food out of the house. And then when this person was of age, they used to go and drive to the grocery store and then buy a ton of junk food, eat it all in the car, binge it, and then toss the wrappers away like it never happened. So you don't want to, you don't necessarily want to create a pathway into disordered eating, right? And that's what I found so incredible about this particular episode. Now, by the way, I'll link the, if I remember, um, I will link the episode number below. But like I said, it's called Ask Lisa. It's really interesting. Um, so then, you know, you help them self-regulate. You help them understand the difference between different types of proteins and healthy fats and all of this. And then I think the last thing, which I thought was really important and powerful is, you know, if you're really concerned about the health of your child, whether it is being overweight or the opposite end of the spectrum being underweight, there potentially could, could be some health concerns to then involve your family doctor and helping your child potentially, because sometimes kids don't love to listen to their parents. Can you imagine? Uh, but potentially the doctor can help you get the message across that weight and health are not always related. Like you can be very lean, a very lean body type and be very healthy. You can also be a very lean body type and be not so healthy. And similarly on the other end of the spectrum, be curvier, be completely healthy, right? And so I find like when your messaging of your body's incredible, you know, the way that you look is amazing, even if it doesn't look like societal norms, you know, your messaging around that and that that trying to encourage that um, positive outlook may not be resonating, but potentially with a doctor, this third party who is a doctor, you know, when they can help understand and, and express, when they can help your child understand that side of it, health and weight are not connected necessarily. And you know, talking to your child about how they can incorporate movement into their life that isn't a punishment. You know, not everybody looks at uh, lifting weights and walking on a treadmill is super fun. So how do we encourage movement? Anyway, it's on my mind. It's on my mind because like Dara and I were saying, so many of us in our 30s, in our 40s and beyond still struggle to this day with our body and how we feel about it. I want to break some cycles with my children. I want my kids to look at their bodies in different ways. I see it happening in this age group and I want to help break that cycle. So I really wanted to share that with you because I just, it really resonated with me. It was so powerful. And um, maybe there's something you can take away from that. Three things that made a difference in my life. I'm going to make it quick because I was just super chatty. But the first is a brand new pair of skates. I just bought myself from the Vic brand. A It definitely has a, um, a figure skate style boot, right? Where we've got the picks on the front, but it's cozy and furry and warm and not super, you know, tight around my feet. Because if you're familiar with wearing that white figure skating boot, they are super tight. They kind of hurt your feet. Your feet freeze because it's just this like thin piece of leather. And uh, yeah, it's cold. It's cold. So you know what? First pair of skates I bought myself in 18 years or something like that and or 20 years. And I'm thrilled. I am thrilled. I'm excited. Uh, so that's really fun. Actually, I went skating today with my husband and it was thrilling. The second thing definitely goes hand in hand with winter activities is the CeraVe Body Lotion Daily Face and Body Cream. 
last week, I was telling you guys that I upped my skincare for winter and this was an addition that I added. And uh, I definitely thought it was a smaller container. So note that if you're buying off of Amazon, but it's lovely because it is for both the face and the body. It's a nice thick cream. So I tend to apply it after my skincare, but like after all my morning skincare, but just before my SPF, I got that going, acts as a bit of a barrier, protects that beautiful skin and face from the elements. And then of course, the elbows, the tops of the hands. You know, in the past, I've often had really bad cracked skin on the tops of my hands and I don't have it this year. So I must be doing something right. Highly recommend. And the last thing that I actually tried this weekend and oh my goodness, it was so much fun. I'm obsessed with raclette. Have you tried raclette? I'm pretty sure raclette originates from Germany or Switzerland. And as we're talking, I'm actually going to quickly Google this. It is. It's a Swiss dish, very popular in France as well. And essentially what it is, is it's it's a cheese-based meal. So imagine kind of like a Korean barbecue style where you have the grill on the top, where you can fry meats and whatever you want, vegetables, fry an egg. But then underneath, there tends to be between six and eight little like small kind of um, pans. So each person at the table would get a little pan and around the raclette, you know, cooking element, you would have things like chopped, uh, chopped peppers, chopped onions. I had sweet peppers. I had, uh, we had eggs. So uncooked eggs because you can fry them on the top. We had all sorts of different types of cheese, Swiss cheese, extra old cheese, uh, mozzarella cheese. There was something else I can't remember. There was so much cheese. And then we had a roast that we picked up, thinly, thinly sliced it, marinated it. Oh my gosh, it was so good. My mouth is watering. We had French bread. You chop that really thin. And so you would do like, you know, you take your little dish and you'd put a little piece of bread and then you would, I put like uh, onions and peppers and, and then I put a bunch of cheese on the top and you slip it under the element. So then it cooks it, gets it warm, but then also kind of broils the top. And then while you're doing that, my mouth is literally watering. Um, while you're doing that, you can be frying an egg. And then we had cooked potatoes on the side. So then you put this potato on your plate. Once you're, you know, you're cooked cheesy situations done, you kind of pour that on top of your potato. You get your egg in there. Oh my God. It was so fun. So fun, actually, that I bought my own raclette set off of Amazon. It should be arriving like today or tomorrow. And coming back to what I was just talking about, about like different ways to talk to your kids about food and health and nutrition. We've actually introduced one night a week where Esme is responsible for cooking dinner. And I just thought that would be a fun thing to do. Like all she has to do is chop up some vegetables and cured meats or whatever. And and we have this amazing dinner. So three favorites for the week. That's that. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you today. I hope you enjoyed Dara. She is such a bright light. Check her out on Instagram. Also, if you happen to have missed last week's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Brittany Ostafi from the very popular Instagram and TikTok, Bostafi. She's also the host of The Laughing Couple or co-host of The Laughing Couple podcast. And she was just so fun to connect with. It was really great to see kind of like this peek behind the curtain of creator life, how humor helps her through the day and how she incorporates some balance with self-care in there with her marriage and her work and her parenting, you know, hats, all the hats that she wears. And be sure to tune in next week on Thursday, where I'll be sitting down with Danny Schaefer from City Girl Gone Mom. She is mom to boss baby Brody. 
His reach is incredible, and it's just interesting to hear her perspective as a parent in the space. And we actually also really kind of do a shifting gears and talk about the opioid crisis and how this affected her life, in particular with someone she really cares for. So thank you for listening, and I'll catch up with you guys next week. Friendo is produced by Amanda Muse with producer Dila Velasquez. Audio editing by Ali Ashbacker and Amanda Muse. Production and sound design by Rob Johnson. Can I ask a little favor? Can you share this podcast with a friend? It's the best way to help get Friendo into new ears. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find me on Instagram daily at Amanda Muse, YouTube for weekly videos at Amanda Muse, and TikTok for some laughs at Muse Amanda. Thank you for listening and join me next week. Music